Please be advised. The following podcast may contain opinions, advice, or other suggestive content regarding mental health, and as we are not experts, should be treated as discretionary. Please consult with a medical professional if you are struggling with mental health issues. Alternatively, if you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please dial 988 or go to your nearest emergency room. Hey everybody, it's Monday. Uh, we're so glad that you clicked play on the Luminosity Mental Health Podcast. Wherever you're coming from, um, wherever you're tuning in, we're so grateful for you. I'm Justin Crawford, uh, joined by Kevin Quinn, um, who, as you guys know, a long time ago, I first interviewed and then became friends with, and I said, hey, we should do a podcast together around mental health. And here we are now, uh, 15 weeks later, uh, and probably over way over a year of a friendship in and something that him and I are very passionate about is talking about things that a lot of folks probably haven't really considered talking about with their friends. Uh, One of which is today's episode topic of anger and forgiveness. And when Kevin first wrote that down, I go, you know what? I don't really know what that's going to look like. Um, But I know that a lot of us get the feeling of anger. And I know that we have a lot of forgiving to do for ourselves and for the people around us. So that's certainly what we'll get into today. Uh, But Kevin, how are you feeling? You're over here in Los Angeles. uh, And we started this conversation with you telling me that you don't work on weekends, as I've sat over here and worked uh, most of my Sunday away. Yeah, Justin and I, uh, we were catching up over Zoom here. This is how we record remotely, but we were we were catching up and before we started recording, and I was asking him how his weekend was. He was asking me how mine was, and I told them it was a pretty low key weekend, but I did watch a movie, and I wanted to talk. I was like, Justin, just record it because I want to talk about this movie on the podcast, and. Yeah, so, all right, I guess I'll start with the name of the movie. It's called Sunshine, and it came out in 2007, and it was directed by Danny Boyle, who, whom I love because he directed, like, one of my favorite horror movies, uh, 28 Days Later. I was getting mixed up with 28 Weeks Later, but, yes, 28 Days Later with Killian Murphy, and uh, he also did, like, Train Spotting, which is a film that I love with Ewan McGregor, but... um this movie's called Sunshine and it stars Killian Murphy again. And it also stars like Rose Byrne and a couple other folks. I think Michelle Yeoh is in it. But it's kind of funny. First of all, Killian Murphy plays a physicist who is like in charge of an atomic bomb. <laughs> Which, Justin, you may know him as Oppenheimer. So I'm like, this guy just keeps getting roles as like some kind of atomic bomb physicist. But the the reason why I wanted to bring up the movie on the podcast is because first of all i thought it was well done for what it was and i think danny boyle like doesn't disappoint but the premise of the movie is so absurd that i had to talk about it like it was engrossing enough that i was captivated and i was into it despite how absurd it was and i just kind of had to get past the fact that it was so absurd and then i was able to enjoy it but justin basically the premise of the movie is the earth is dying. It's the year 2057. Uh, and the reason why the earth is dying is because the sun is no longer shining like it used to. Like apparently, you know, it's at 3% brightness of what it used to be. And so all of earth is like snowy and like an Arctic tundra now. And and so this crew of like astronauts goes uh, to the sun <laughs> and they're like their spacecraft is attached to like a giant nuclear bomb and they're like all right the sun is dying so we're gonna nuke it back to life (laughs) 
and the whole premise is like they're gonna drop this atomic bomb onto the surface of the sun to like reignite the sun and so like first of all you can see the problems that kind of arise from that theory like first of all how do they not shrivel up like when they get at least a couple million miles close to the sun and they're like practically like in the sun by the end of the movie like like Killian Murphy's character is like playing with the flames. <laughs> that's like playing. all the first of all, like... all the laughter that's coming out of Kevin's mouth. I don't know if this is a comedy or when you said twenty what twenty fifty seven. Yeah, I feel like it's real. Like it, it, it's like the movie twenty twelve when we were supposed to die together on planet Earth, and here he is I laughing know. at the fact that this is like two point of that. Bro, it's so funny. Like the last scene, Killian Murphy is like on this atomic bomb and like plummeting towards the sun <laughs> and, then, and then there's like a solar flare that like makes its way into the spaceship but it stops right in front of his face and he's like playing with the fire <laughs> and it's like a million degrees um and somehow he's like not shriveling up but then what's even funnier is that like the second half of the movie somehow turns into like a slasher horror film <laughs> He's getting real joy from telling this story, by the way, folks. And <laughs> bro, like there so like there's their ship is called Icarus 2. And like six years before, there was an Icarus 1 that attempted to do the same mission and like reignite the sun with a bomb, but like it didn't work. So they NASA sent out Icarus 2, like to do the same thing when Icarus 1 didn't work. And so they like find Icarus 1, and there's like this like Freddy Krueger type astronaut who's been living on Icarus 1 like for six years and then he like comes on to Icarus 2 and starts like killing the astronauts one by one and he's like oh he's like I've been talking to God for six years and he told me that we're all gonna go to heaven together <laughs> it's bizarre it's we so should, bizarre we're just we're gonna link that movie below if you're yeah okay we definitely have interested. to and the funny thing, like, it wasn't even a bad movie. I, I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> and then, um, it, w what else was funny about the movie? Oh, yeah. They, they have, like, this sun observation deck. Like, apparently, you know, the sun being as bright and powerful and hot as it is, there's, like, a room on the spaceship that, like, allows the astronauts to, like, sit on a bench and just... <laughs> observe the sun directly <laughs> i'm dead bro I, it's it's ridiculous but again i'm not shitting on the movie i just if you can get past the absurdity of it all it's a fun and entertaining movie um but yeah i just i had to get that out of my system that was the highlight of my weekend was watching that film sunshine that's amazing it's funny it's called sunshine my brother about an hour and a half ago goes coincidence uh, this is like a coincidence he goes hey what are you doing tonight and i was like none of your business <laughs> and he goes do you want to watch a movie together and i go no i'm, <laughs> I'm podcasting with kevin in an hour i do not want to watch a movie with you and it's funny because i just got your synopsis of this movie sunshine so I oh you have to watch, watch it with him maybe i'll watch it after we podcast with this and we'll watch that um and and folks i'm not sure Kevin can tell you. I do not know if that has any relativity to the topic of today's podcast. It definitely um, doesn't. But it's certainly except a maybe the character, the Freddy Krueger type character, was angry. That's right. 
<laughs> it's like how does the anger play into like the and then the other astronauts whom he killed like have to forgive him for doing that of the abolition of the earth you know so anger and forgiveness um which we'll talk yeah, about you know, today i was just gonna say um it leading into this episode like the last episode was love and respect was a great way to lead into this episode because I feel like we kind of covered a lot of these concepts that we're going to talk about or, or these ideas in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like it was the perfect lead up. When you think of anger, when you first wrote it down, I was like, anger and forgiveness, do those two words even go together? And I had to contemplate that because I don't really know if they do, but I feel like after the end of this podcast, they very much might. And if we could even start, I feel like forgiveness has two sides. Anger is pretty straightforward. It feels very black and white, at least from my experience. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's something that you know you revisit all the time. Um, and we don't have to even go back to the examples that we gave last week when we were talking about self-love and respect. Because remember, like we ha- I feel like we had feelings of anger uh, when we were going through those experiences with those people, right? You were in Barnes & Noble, and then I believe I was at Soho house. And we were like, I'm sure that feeling inherently was anger, but instead today, why don't we both give examples and you go first of a time where you feel like you were like the, the, the latest time you feel like you were angry and what made you angry? What made you feel like, uh, you had to act on that. And then what did you do to come out of it? Hmm. Good question. And I definitely have an answer for you. I think before I answer it, I just want to clarify, like, I think the way that anger and forgiveness go hand in hand is because even if forgiveness, like if you're forgiving someone, not because you're angry, like if if you have to forgive someone for something else, it could, it could be that you're forgiving someone for um, the, uh, you may interpret that you were spited somehow, and that might not be anger, but it still requires forgiveness or a trauma that someone put you through, you know, if you consider it to be trauma, then that might not cause anger directly, but it's still something that leads to anger and then requires forgiveness. So that's kind of how I put anger and forgiveness together, because I do feel like however, whatever happens that requires someone to be forgiven, that usually anger is like a a middle step in between, um, you know, the initial happening or whatever it was. Uh, and forgiveness. So to answer your question, the last time I was angry, man, um, I have had a lot, I'm going to be honest, I've had a lot of anger lately towards certain, I don't even want to say like certain people, because that sounds like, you know, hateful or something like, oh, like, you know, I, I just mean like, I've like, for instance, the story that I told you about when I was in Barnes and Noble and that guy was an asshole, you know, uh, when, about my dog, like that was a moment where I was angry. And so I went, when I say certain people, I mean more like the general public for like, you know, uh, instances that cause friction and, and social interactions. Um, so in that way, I, I have kind of had like some weird social interactions that have uh, have caused me to feel anger towards certain people mostly in public like it's it's funny it's easier for me to be angry at people i don't know um 
But then, then again, like maybe it is easier for me to be angry with people I do know because there's a level of trust and comfort, you know, like if I, um, you know, my, you know, if and I, expectation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like that classic thing, like a, a teenager, like, is like, mom, dad, like, stop, you know, like they're angry at their parents because they trust them the most and they can lash out in a way, you know, that's an example. So it's like, but lately it's been towards the general public in those kind of moments of social friction of like, oh, like I disagreed on, on something like, you know, whether or not my dog is allowed at Barnes and Noble or someone giving me a dirty look, you know, for this, or like I accidentally cut someone off in traffic and someone, you know, shoots me the finger. Yeah. I'm going to feel angry. You know, um, those have been my instances of anger lately. Um, and but again, as of late, they've been with people I don't know. And I don't know if I've just had like really bad luck, um, you know, out and about in public. Like mm. they say Mercury's in retrograde right now. I don't believe in they that. They say stuff, everything but, is in like even right, it's always something. is coming. Mercury's in retrograde. Pluto's probably coming back to be the first planet on the on the lineup. Like, you know, there's and so I, many, I I never really so believed in. Yeah. And I never really believed in that stuff. But lately, like. It's weird. My mom texted me like a couple weeks ago. She's like, Mercury's in, re Mercury's in retrograde. I'm like, okay, whatever. But ironically, like usually I dismiss when my, my mom's kind of a hippie. And when she says stuff like that, I dismiss it. I'm pretty much attuned to dismiss, dismissing all that stuff nowadays. But this time she texted it. And then I noticed like some weird stuff happening around like communication and like miscommunications or misinterpretations that I would have like over text or in conversation and again those things can happen with or without mercury being in retrograde you know but um i yeah i i um i don't know i just feel like i've been having weird luck with people in public lately um and part of it might be social anxiety so that's been like where i've been angry the most just in like encounters on the street if like someone does me wrong also, it's L.A., you know, I live in L.A., and it's kind of like a, a big city. I'm sure you experienced this in New York, Justin, when you live there. Like, people can be kind of um, – it's it's that classic thing. It's like, it yes, almost, I almost want to use the word unforgiving. It's like Robert De Niro in Taxi. I'm walking here. Like, that's the attitude yeah. of a lot of people in big cities where it's like if you inconvenience them in the slightest, then it's oh, like they'll I make love it I love that you brought that up. Let me say one thing too about how we interact with society. I think a lot of times you can do so much self-work. You can be so what I consider mentally healthy. You could have worked on yourself all morning and then still run into AKA like the asshole on the street. Right. And the worst thing you want, like, well, I guess like the worst thing that could happen to somebody who's having the best day of their life is to interact with somebody who's about to make it the worst day. <laughs> and the feeling is always going to be anger. It's not necessarily going to get any deeper than that. At surface level, right? It is anger. You just get a little angry or frustrated. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it's such an interesting term. Um, and, and what you just said about interactions is so important because we all interact with people. We just talked about it on episode 14, where sometimes you ain't got no choice. 
You know, like yesterday, I got bumped in my right shoulder walking down the alleyway of, um, you know, I was heading to a spot to go see some friends. And this guy with his three buddies just intentionally rammed right into me because I was on my phone. I guess he thought that I was, you know, not paying attention. I didn't react. I told you in last episode, I don't react to things like that. But for some reason in my head, I was like, man, I'm angry. You know, like I am actually angry. This was last night, Kevin, you know, and I, I gave it five seconds. I usually count backwards, just like Mel Robbins says, you know, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. And he was, you know, and I guess I turned that anger into curiosity, which was weird. You know, there's a lot you can do with anger is where I'm getting at. You could take a situation that is out of your control or even a situation that may have been in your control and you just ang get angry about something, right? Um, and you always have an opportunity to pull it back for a sec, evaluate it, appreciate it for what it is, uh, and then ultimately uh, get yourself in the right headspace to say, you know what, why could that have been? You know, and then I think it then maybe goes to forgiveness. Like, I'm not trying to be guru here, but like, you know, the guy who bumped into me last night, I sometimes think I'm like, yeah, I kind of forgive him for being, you know, quite aggressive walking down that little alleyway. But at the same time, you know, who am I to forgive someone that probably has no idea that that was something wrong that they did, you know, but it angered me. It would have angered you and anybody listening. You would have been angry as shit, too. So I think that. When this feeling of anger arises, the first thing you have to do is realize like what parties are involved, you know, why did this thing maybe come about? And then what can you do about that anger that makes that that secures your, you know, mental health, to be honest. Like you don't want to sit there and keep thinking about the angry moment so that it keeps accumulating even more anger for some reason when you know that, you know, downright step one is to sit there and say, all right, deep breath, count backwards from five what the hell just happened and uh listen maybe there it wasn't that big of a deal it was just a little one-off and you know the universe was challenging you for a sec yeah i i liked where you were going with that too i mean maybe we start there then you know um on this path from anger to forgiveness you know you talked about how you take a deep breath or whatever you count backwards from five whatever it is what does that look like for you managing anger let's let's start with how do you manage anger and then mm. see how that leads into a process of forgiveness. For sure. And let me let me make it very clear. I feel like anger is an emotion. So when you're feeling the emotion of anger, you 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 have to like, I don't know, I'll give you an example. I was feeling like my heart race for a sec. And I took a deep breath and I was like, that was so rude, you know? And then the anger came because I was like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? You're going to bump right into me on purpose. And he wanted me to react. So before I go get philosophical for a sec, I was pissed and I really wanted to. I was, I was just going to say what you just said. He wanted you to react, bro. I have noticed that and I've heard stories. It's like when people piss other people off, there's sometimes this factor where they do it on purpose or they're sure. trying to elicit a reaction from you. Absolutely. That's like. People are instigators when they're emotionally uh, distraught, you know? I mean, they're probably angry. In, I'd say insecurity is probably at the root of it, but they probably already were angry. So let's take that, for example. I'm sure this guy yesterday was already in an upset position, 
you know, or an upset, um, something that upset him or made him feel like he was going to take that aggression out somewhere. So then, of course, you bump into me um, as I'm the little, you know, the little solo kid asshole on my phone. Just it, it didn't help that I was talking to someone on speakerphone <laughs> and my flashlight was on because I couldn't see anything. So I'm the very I'm, I'm the stereotypical guy that you probably would want to go shove and still no excuse. You know what I mean? But anyway, the process of that was I was angry. And for some reason, I typically, this might be helpful for everybody, but I tend to want to vent immediately and then I can get it actually off my chest. So there's two things I do. I vent and luckily I knew the people who managed the spot. So I went up to them and I was like, do you know that asshole that just walked by? I was like, he bumped into me this way. He did it like this. I reenacted the whole thing. You know, this is how I process it. Some people are different, but as an extrovert, I immediately find people to, even if it's a stranger, I'm pretty sure I would have, you know, walked up to somebody or some group and said exactly what happened, how it made me feel. And uh, what I would have done if I was an aggressive person, you know, like I was like, I would have kicked his ass, you know, but I decided not to. And that's totally fine. And then mind you, I told the story probably two more times to the people I was with for the evening. <laughs> and then I make fun of the situation. And before you know it, I completely forgot about it up until we started talking about it right now. So that was my way of like processing, dealing and um relieving it you know what i mean like relieving the anger in that way it was typically just like saying it out loud you know like just venting and then number two is making fun of it and then before you know it i i tend to forget it and that guy's probably i was like you know what he can go get hit by a car i don't really care you know oh wow harsh <laughs> i was angry a little harsh yeah you're angry i i yep that's valid um <laughs> Well, actually, you said something interesting, though, which is you mentioned you're an extrovert and that you kind of tend to like you joked, you're like, oh, he can get hit by a car, whatever. Like, so that raised a question for me, which is maybe this is the difference between how, you know, some people process anger versus other people, which is do you internalize the blame or do you externalize the blame? And I will say personally, and maybe this does have something to do with my introvertedness, maybe it's not that at all, and maybe it's just the way I think or the way I process or you know, just the way I'm wired, but I tend to do something similar to what you were saying, which is I look for close confidants or people whose opinion I trust to tell them what happened or either get their opinion or weirdly get their validation because I probably feel bad about it. But that's because a certain, like a part of me is more likely to internalize the blame than to externalize it. I may feel anger towards someone else, but when it comes to the blame itself, I tend to internalize that. And I end up feeling bad about whatever happened, even if I did nothing wrong, because I internalize the blame that like, oh, I inconvenienced someone or, oh, I caused someone to feel this or I caused someone to have feelings of anger. Even if I don't feel those myself, it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's mutually exclusive when it comes to the blame. Does that make sense? Yes. Where do you think that comes from? Great question. Um Wow. 
holy cow, you just like hit me with a bomb. I, I'm really going deep now. I feel like this is therapy, right? Um, I feel like my- We've said it for 15 episodes now. Right, This is right. your nice therapy. Yeah, it works. Well, the, the fact that I internalize the blame more than externalize it, I think comes from maybe predisposed insecurities towards the situation that I already have. Um, or I guess you could call it maybe faults in my character where I'm like, I, I over amplify it to something that it's not, but nonetheless, something bigger like, oh, I, I caused someone to feel angry at me because I did something and then I overanalyze it, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, does that mean that I, I'm always, you know, do I always do things to inconvenience people or I'm a bad person, you know, I, I turn it into something that it's not and I spiral where it's like, it was just one instance and, and one thing, but then I like make it to be this sort of black and white thing where it's like, oh, I'm a bad person. Oh, that this happened because like, it's, it's really just indicative of the fact that I'm a bad person at heart, which is not true, it's but not that's true the all. way I think, or like the, the voices in my head want to, Ooh, that's a good song voice. When the voices in my head. That could be a song. Voice. I uh ADD moment. I, I was sitting down or I was laying down for a nap earlier and this melody came to my head and it was so good. I pulled out my phone and I recorded it, but maybe I can put voices in my head to that melody. Anyway. Where was I? See, you, I have ADD, man. You were putting the blame on you when it comes to anger. Let me say this. Yeah. Yeah, there, anyway, that's what I was saying. There are many people that can probably relate to that. And I don't know what it's really rooted in. That's why I asked you, like, where do you think that comes from? Because I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm a good person. <clears throat> You're the asshole. I'm not going to react because I have nothing to prove to you. I am not going to react to you. I show security angry. on your part. Show security on your part. Yeah, in some shape or form. But like, I, I believe all of us deserve to get angry let's go to that for a moment whether or not you put the blame on yourself or the other person right i feel like i put the blame 100 uh, usually 100 percent on the other person sounds like you put it on yourself so that aside for a moment everyone deserves to feel anger because i think if you avoid feeling angry as an emotion just like feeling joy or um sad you know sadness and joy and anger and what are the other ones? I feel like those are the top three that really kind of... You mean core emotions? Core emotions. Um, there's sadness, joy, anger, peace, love. Um, what else is there? Um, well, let's take those five. But okay. so with anger being one of those, I think that something that we should remind folks of today is it is okay to be angry. What's the big deal? You know, I say that a lot recently and you probably do too, but I'm like, why does angry have to be a negative emotion? I don't think out of the five, there's one negative. Human beings are supposed to be feeling these emotions. And if anger is one of them, then whereas forgiveness, I feel like is an act, which we'll move to here in a moment. Or a concept. That's right. Anger, who cares? Like, what's the big deal? You're mad about something. It's how you act on your anger that I think dictates your experience with it. For example, if you're mad that 
this guy shoved you, right? If Kevin was shoved, sounds like he would have said, oh God, what did I do wrong? If I'm shoved, I'm like, well, you were in my way. I need you to get out of my way. I'm sad for you that you're angry. <laughs> Two very different responses. But then the act in which maybe what we do afterwards, right? How we process it, how we get rid of that anger and move on from it. You know, there there is a way to do that that could be very positive. And it's almost like you have to train your brain to do so in such a way um, and then revisit that and keep conditioning yourself every time you get angry and go through certain situations in which you're going to have to revisit it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, it's easier for me to get angry at someone who's angry with me. And maybe that's a defense mechanism, you know? Um, and part of that is just being defensive. But I know exactly what you're saying. Um, you're right. It has more to do with how we respond to our emotions and how we handle our emotions, right? And that's any emotion. You're right. Like, there is no negative emotion. The idea of negative emotion, um, there is no such thing. It's just that we have uh, given certain emo emotions connotations based on, you know, the societal understanding of them. But it's not like, you know, anxiety is just a word. Anger is just a word. It's a feeling. You're exactly right. It's a feeling just like love or peace or anxiety, whatever. And you a label. Don't it's a label. Right. So there aren't good labels. There aren't bad labels. They're just labels. Um, but nonetheless, like, how we respond to those labels or those feelings. Um, I will say it's easier for me to get worked up for what would be considered a negative emotion like anger than it is for me to feel love or peace, obviously. Um, but again, it's, it's, you know what we should go back to? We should go back to the idea of that middle ground or the spectrum that we talked about in a way earlier episode, which is like, imagine, you know, you're having a really shitty day and that day is like a zero on a scale of, you know, zero to 100. And if you're at a 100 one day, that's, you're having a great day, the best day you've ever had. I don't believe that any day should fall outside of the range of like 40 to 60. I just think that's healthy living. And I've talked about that before that idea with you. Um, but the tendency is if anger is mismanaged, then very easily, that 40 to 60 range becomes 20 to 30, 10 to 20, um, until you're just superheated, right? Metaphorically speaking. So, yeah, what, do you have any thoughts on that? The main thought I have is, I don't know if we want ever one emotion to overtake the entire day. You know, totally. I'm a huge fan of taking it one day at a time, so I'll just refer to that notion that you know you when you're living your day and you have a scale of zero to a hundred when it comes to certain things that you're experiencing i mean i would only imagine that if you say you get angry at one thing you almost want to get smart with yourself like how did i deal with the last time that i was angry and how did i deal with the last time that i felt love and you know satisfaction or you know sadness how did i deal with it and can i go through those steps again uh, in order to come out of this feeling so that it doesn't overtake my day. Cause we hear it from everybody all the time that ruined my day. Oh, that made my day. I don't know if we should put too much pressure on said thing that made or broke, you know, made or broke your day. 
Totally. I'm notorious for doing that, man. It's it's not a good look for me, but I do that, right? It's just what I was telling you. I get worked up about one thing, and if something happens, I dwell on it. It's like dwelling or ruminating, right? It's an anxiety mm-hmm. behavior. Um, and then I, I apply that one moment in time to the rest of my day, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, this happened, and, and so today today is shot. You know, today's not going to be a good day for the rest of the day. No, that's not the case. It's just I got to change my attitude. Mm. Um, attitude and perspective i think the perspective i always put onto certain situations is well i'm so glad that that was a part of my day you know so for example like i had a great day leading up to the guy that shoved me what did i do i completely had to like morph my perspective and say well he was having an off day or he wanted a reason to shove somebody so here i am making fun of him because that's my way of dealing with it for the time being and before you know it, I had a really great night, laughed a lot, um, got tickled a bunch by the people I was with. And then I don't really care about the guy that shoved me anymore, you know, and that was towards the end of the day. So could that have, you know, I guess it, it doesn't even matter at what part of the day something occurs that made or broke the day. But if we're talking about anger, if you're feeling angry about something, the best thing you can do is say, well, how is this? how is this going to positively impact my day hate to say it, but you almost have to put that positive you know lens on it and say um all right so what steps am i going to take to make sure that that this positively impacts the day yeah you know um as you talk about perspective it reminds me of you know again my favorite therapy dialectal behavioral therapy um which the dialectic of what you're saying is sort of like you could say, oh, this thing that happened was the worst part of my day. But if you change the perspective and think dialectically, that then you say that you're kind of led to this um, this end result, which is, oh, that was the worst part of my day. So therefore, it is a fact that the rest of my day is going to be even better because it's not going to get any worse than that Ooh, just was. That's you know great. I mean? And that's flipping the coin and changing the perspective. And then you know that you're going to have a great rest of the day. That's thinking dialectically in a DBT, which, you know, what we would call thinking dialectically. Another thing you could do, this might be helpful. It's it's that or, right? I don't know if you should do both. It just, it becomes a little bit too complex throughout your day to try to do all of these things. But if you're listening and you do that or, um, a lot of times when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, either I'm meditating or I'm practicing gratitude. It's one or the other. I can't do both. I don't care to do both. Um, I want to focus on one or the other. So when I'm practicing meditation or gratitude, um, I typically kind of lean into that where I'm thinking, okay, well, how was the day set up? I'm really excited about this, that, and the third. I know these things are going to be challenging. And then anything in between that makes me really happy, sad, upset. I get back to the emotions, right? Um, Especially angry. If something makes me angry, how will I deal with it? Blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the night, I do the same thing. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's gratitude. Uh, And then you revisit what had happened throughout the day. And then you can almost like rest better once you've evaluated what your day had looked like. And then if you get angry at any point in the day, how it, how it had impacted your day and how do you want to move forward accordingly? You know, cause there's no happy medium. That's not like you're going to feel like angry. Isn't a negative emotion. It is just an emotion. Like we'd said to be objective, but then when you get to a point 
where it starts bothering you or making you feel some type of way about the entire day or shit, the entire week or month sometimes because something made you so angry. First thing you can do is go dissect it, right? You can go all the way in and say, what was this? What caused it? Why am I feeling anger? Um, and then you got to find kind of the resources and, and, and pockets of choice to make sure that you're, you know, coming out of that angry emotion. I like that you mentioned meditation too, because, you know, I had asked you what your ways of managing anger are. I think my way of managing anger by far is through mindfulness. Um, for me, it's just most effective. I think if I am experiencing these really intense emotions that to bring myself out of my head, especially when I have this tendency, as I mentioned, to internalize and go into my head and overanalyze, um, it is really healthy for me to just notice the world around me or uh, even something like touching something in the outside world uh, where it's like I can, something is tangible and I can feel it and all my attention is on that object. Like right now, listener, I'm touching a table, um, the table that's holding my laptop as we record. And it's, you know, it's a like a, a grayish brown table and there are cracks in the wood and it feels smooth on my fingertips, but uh, the texture looks rough. Um, there are ways to, you know, as I describe it, it's taking all my attention towards what I'm experiencing in the moment. Uh, mm. And that for me has really worked wonders, you know, mindfulness. Other it also makes, work, I was just going to say other things at work are like distracting myself with like a funny movie or a TV show mm. um, or like self-soothing, putting on like a, a comfy sweatshirt or something, you know, yeah. but what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I think that helps with attention anyway. Something I always do is like our attentions as humans these days are split in a thousand directions a day and something that will never hate, hate something that will never help your anger emotion is being distracted. You almost want to sit with it for a moment and then to Kevin's point, find something that really helps you stay grounded or mindful Oh, I think mindfulness is amazing. If you can concentrate on one thing at a time, I struggled with it all day and I'm going to struggle with it probably for a couple of years, but I'm practicing it. You know, I would love to get to a point where I can actually focus on one thing at a time. Kevin, and I've been recording. I've already eaten a full piece of pizza, which had cauliflower crust. Um, I've looked at my phone probably 10 times. I'm playing with this peppermint and eucalyptus, you know, essential oil, and I'm watching Kevin speak. And at the same time, thinking about all the tech issues, I've checked whether or not we were recording the podcast. I checked, I looked at three different types of pens. I tried my AirPods again, didn't even work. My brother literally just brought me a glass of wine because I texted him while we've been recording this. Think about it. 15 You're doing all things. that while we we're recording? I had no idea you were doing <laughs> But I'm, I'm so bad and so quick in the head that imagine when I get angry about something, how many things run through my head, you know? And I'm right. not the only one, but you and I, the best thing I think about this podcast is that we are polar opposites. And you to be able to focus on the desk and talk about the texture and stuff. I was looking at my desk and I started recognizing that there's like Trident gum, a new Starbucks cup right here, two, you know, purified bottles of water here. Like I could go on hand sanitizer, three pens, two AirPod cases. Like my brain just will fire off, you know, and I've learned to accept it, but I'm trying to get better at that. Back to anger though, like both of us are dealing with it in such different ways. And I think that Maybe there's a correlation with how both of us deal with anger and how you, uh, you know, you bring it back to you and I tend to put it on the other person. You put it on yourself. I put it on the other person. Maybe that has something to do with our personality types and our attention. 
like uh, our attention behaviors. That's very possible. You know, um, it's funny hearing you speak right now, you were talking about how you're still struggling with, you know, sort of mastering mindfulness. And it's crazy to me how simple of a concept mindfulness is, you know, um, like being able to just feel the wood of the desk and, you know, run your fingers on it and study it and scrutinize it and observe it and feel it. You know, these are things that aren't, they don't require a rocket, rocket science. And yet it is so difficult to master mindfulness because of what you're saying, which is the brain is constantly firing off. Even when we lay our heads down on our pillows at the end of the night, it's like, we're thinking about something. It's like the human brain is, is very complex and it's very difficult to shut off. Um, which actually would make for a good episode if we did something on like the complexities of the human brain. I mean, this is, I would love that. And we should enlist some people who are really smart at the brain, or at least do a bunch of research to back it. I always thought, and then we'll move on to forgiveness here in a sec. There's, Something really nice about some people call it mastering the mind. I think it's mindfulness controllership. So, for example, we forget. Is that a word, controllership? I mean, it was when I was in corporate America for sure, because people were telling controllership. (laughs) Think about it. it Just control. Control. It's just like control. Uh, Mind control. All right. So anyway, Uh, you you know control. If you're listening, go to Google. I'm pretty sure it's a word. We need to figure this out right now. Stop what you're doing and (laughs) Google if this is a real word. You know, when it comes to controllership, I think, and I've always believed this, that... I will give you $1,000 of controllership. (laughs) The controllership department is a functional area within a company that's responsible for overseeing and managing the financial Ah. and accounting operations of an organization. So I stand corrected. Justin is like sassy right now. He's like the corporate accounts of a department that knows what is controlling the other departments. Kevin Quinn. No, no, no. So when it comes to controllership, I think it's just relative to like a corporate business, you know, like an, you know, an organization that needs, financial controllership and i know that because okay, good my this is very important that we took this detour my boss and i used to deal with the cor- the controllership people a lot in finance at nbc so that's why mental controllership you were saying yes mental controllership i just think that there's ways to like manage and operate what's happening inside your head so i don't know it number one it's empowering and you gain a lot of self-confidence when you're when you can control your mind but this is why mental health is so important. So if, if you're feeling angry, let's use that for example, or any emotion, feel it, but then recognize what it's doing to your brain, you know, or to your mind. I don't know. We're going to have to go to another episode on that one because mindfulness is so cool to me that like you wake up in the morning and you know, you have the whole day ahead of you yet 900,000 things go into your head. But the second you're like, no, you're not coming into my head, you know, and you're not going to take over my emotions for the day. Or, you know, even I've read the nastiest emails in the past couple of months and I never let them ruin my day. You know, some of it's like, um, you know, me being a uh, delusional optimist, but some of these emails, I'm like, oh God, you guys are so nasty. I feel so bad for you. And I just delete it. And I'm like, you're not taking over my day. But all I'm saying is like taking control of like how things are impacting your mind is a is a skill and it is powerful yeah and it goes back to self-awareness as we were discussing uh countless times i think 
also in this case cognition which is something we haven't discussed as much but i think that it requires a certain level of cognition to be able to sort of flag your thoughts as they're coming into your head and stop them before they you know before you run off with them uh, as you're saying so i think in that way it requires a certain level of cognition so um but we should move on to forgiveness um so we've talked a lot about anger. I want to ask you uh, some questions about forgiveness. So the one that comes to mind first is in what situation do you think, like, like let's start, we've talked a lot about anger, but is there a situation that you think might require forgiveness that has nothing to do with anger? You know, so maybe someone wasn't like angry with you or you have anger towards them, like what other situations might require forgiveness? Does that make sense? Many. I, I think that a lot of times you go and you have other emotions that arise. So like disappointment or fear or, you know, whatever that might be. You can take any example in the world when you're dealing with other people and there's there's an opportunity for forgiveness a lot of the times. So if you are... I don't know, say you and your friend are going out and this happens a lot, actually, like they're being flaky about something and, you know, they end up kind of like making you a little bit upset or like, maybe not upset. Maybe they make you disappointed or you just kind of get frustrated about something. It's not necessarily anger, you know, but you're kind of getting annoyed. Even annoyed is a, is a great, you know, way to feel sometimes when things are arising within a relationship. And oftentimes like you will like, forgive them but i think it's like a different level of forgiveness as if the person had um yeah I, I don't know i mean if the person did something really harmful to you or you know didn't show up to your wedding and didn't tell you i guess there's levels of forgiveness based on the level of um impact right based on like what had happened so i guess it's all relative that's a great point actually because, I mean, you're right. Like, And this is kind of like where I ran into an issue, which is, is it anger specifically that requires forgiveness? And the answer is yes, but there's also a myriad of other things that require forgiveness. Uh, right. forgiveness. And so maybe we're limiting ourselves by even calling this episode anger and forgiveness. Maybe it's just like harm and forgiveness. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying like, you're you're absolutely right in that whatever someone does, they did that thing. The forgiveness comes from the feelings that arose arose because of what they did. I.e., I was I felt disappointed because of what you said to me. I felt annoyed because of what you did. Right. So that other person can't control my reaction. Correct. My reaction is my reaction. Um, mm. and it's subjective to however I interpret the event. But mm. There, I'm not necessarily angry, but it it is a situation that may still require forgiveness. What's so incredible is we're going to talk about healthy communication on the episode after this. So I think something that is, it's so ironic, or maybe it's like serendipitous that we record these episodes and the one immediately after that Kevin had already been planning for us to do is immediately tied to it. I believe that healthy communication is a great way to not avoid, but a, a great way to make sure that you're not running into su such a, such harmful 
you know, ways of, of having to forgive someone if something bad had happened. Right. Like there, it's just like, I think that when you're open about certain things and you're not trying to hide certain things, um, and you're honest and you're truthful and you're loyal, you're not going to have to go around and forgive everybody in your circles and in your life. You know what I mean? Even if you're dating someone like, okay, well, if you're open, honest, and, you know, constantly communicating, I, I would argue that those folks probably don't necessarily have to always do forgiving. Right. So let me ask you this. If you were under the impression that someone did something to spite you, whether intentional or not, I mean, I suppose if they were doing something to spite you, then it was intentional, but maybe that's not the right word then. Someone does something and it was intentional or unintentional, but you felt that it was something important enough that they should forgive you. How would you start that conversation with that person? Oh. It's really hard. I mean, you'd have to really just bring it up at face value. I mean, normally in those situations, I feel like both parties knows exactly what had happened, you know, whether or not one person was avoiding it and the other person wasn't, or they were both avoiding it or vice versa. How would I start that conversation? Hey, we should really talk about this. You know, I mean, as awkward as it is, I mean, I've gotten quite comfortable saying like, if it's Kevin, for example, I mean, what do I have to lose? He's like one of my closest friends. We do, pod we do podcasting and business together. Like if I'm, you know, avoiding something that we should be talking about, like then I'm a, then, you know, I should be mad at myself to be honest. So if, if something had happened between us, like, Hey, Kevin, I just call you. I'd be like, Hey, not a fan of this, that, and the third, but you have to be open. We've been open the entire time in our friendship. So I don't know if we'd have to have such a, right. you know, intense conversation about certain things. But I guess if someone did something spite, like, like intentionally, you mean like to harm me? Yeah. yeah but I think I'll, I'll kind of piggyback of where I think you were going. I think in any situation, if I'm hoping that, someone will say sorry to okay. me. Yeah. I can't control the apology if it's coming from their end. I can't force them to apologize because that defeats the whole purpose and it's not sincere, right? Mm. So I would do exactly what you did. I would sit them down or ask that, you know, we speak somewhere and or and sit down and say, hey, you know, thanks so much for meeting me or whatever. I would be really interpersonally effective and calm. Uh, and use an easy manner and be gentle. And I would say, um, you know, uh, I have to be honest with you. Right. I didn't appreciate what you did or the way you reacted to this, right. that, or the other, um, blah, blah, blah. Here are my reasons why. And I would be sure to use like, I feel statements, you know, sure. like so that I can give my experience and help the other person understand. And you would hope that from. they, yeah, not to even, I would say, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I would say like, and I felt spited or I felt unappreciated or I felt hurt, whatever it is. Um, and maybe give a reason. Like I felt hurt because, you know, I felt like you weren't listening to me. Um, and that hurt, that hurt, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then I say my piece once it's all said and done and whether or not the other person apologizes is up to them. I would hope that they do if they're a stand-up person and they're like a friend or a, a family member, whatever. Mm. Um, but I think I also want to say we've been talking a lot in this episode about how 
how we would respond to other people being angry towards us and other people owing us forgiveness. I want to turn the tables and be sure to like play an equal uh, playing field here and and talk about what we would do if we were that person who caused someone else to feel anger. Okay, are you ready for this? You could not have said it. You could not have said it. Maybe we're the time. ones who owe the apology. You know what I mean? Oh, I've had... Okay, you ready for this? Give me five minutes. Four. Yeah, go so, for it. So back in LA, I had a friend. Um, this story is going to hit home with a lot of people, actually, I feel like. Because as you were as you were just about to say that... I'm not kidding you. In my head, I've been playing this story back in my head. I was the person at fault. I was the person that had to do the apologizing. And I hope to this day she still forgives me. And the hardest thing is I don't believe that she forgave me. So I had a friend out there. She's a musician. She's absolutely phenomenal. I love her to death. She's very emotionally um, intelligent, right? Very um, charismatic. She has a very humble personality. But it was, to me, I think more than I had typically received out of a friend. Like, you know, just very nurturing. Um, we had a lot of fun together, but there were many moments where I would put her around my other friends and they they weren't really fond of her because she was always talking about herself. And it was not her fault, trust me. Like, I look back at these moments where I would take her and we would go to concerts and we would go to comedy shows. Trust me, we did everything with her in LA. She was a really, she was becoming such a good friend of mine. Anyway, uh, a lot of my friends just weren't real big fans of her, hers because she would constantly talk about her exes and her current boyfriend and herself, her music. And they thought she was a bit of a narcissist. And fast forward, I stopped seeing her, stopped asking her out. I just, you know, I shied away from her for a bit so much so that she, so she felt that she was like, Hey, I haven't, you know, I feel like you've been avoiding me. Like, you know, I've tried to reach out to you. You haven't responded. And something had come up. I forget what it was where I think she was seeing someone that I knew and he let her know that I was still in touch with him, but not her. I don't remember. And I'll be very honest with you. Like I definitely was avoiding her. I was avoiding her because so many people I put her around didn't really care for her. And I was like, that's not right. That's not right at all. I should have, I should have confronted her or whatever. And been like, Hey, you know, my friends, I don't even know what I would have said. Right. But I should have said something instead of just avoiding her. And gosh, it was one of the hardest conversations and it wasn't even in person. It was over a phone call for a couple hours. Um, on my commute back to Venice. And then I got back in the apartment, started talking to her again, very difficult. She was like, so there's nothing wrong with me, but like you avoided me. And then I think the biggest thing was that I had lied to her about going somewhere because she had asked me to hang out and the friends I was with, this sounds very childish now that I think about it, but and whatever the friends I was with didn't want her to come. So we completely changed the reservation, told her and maybe one other person that we weren't going to that spot anymore. What happens? She still comes to the spot with her other friends. It's at the market in Venice, by the way. So anyway, we're like hanging out and I had to lie because she came up to our table and she was like, hey, like you said you weren't coming. Like I'm confused. You know, you could have told me she was a really, she is a really good person. Um, And I was like, hey, sorry. I just feel like I, you know, because my friends didn't want her to come. And I had to literally lie and say, hey, we just decided not to go to that restaurant tonight. I mean, I really sound like a child saying this out loud. Getting to the point here. I felt disgusting, 
Like I felt like I had no reason to act like that. I had no reason to even like avoid her for any reason, let alone tell her that we were no longer doing something when I was the one that was trying to get all the friends together to begin with. And I was like, damn, I feel like a middle schooler. So what do I do? I call her one night and I said, I just want to tell you, um, I want to clear the air with everything and try to be as honest with you as possible. And I don't know if she really believed me throughout that conversation, but she was definitely fired up. She was like, you did this and I don't really understand this part. And, you know, we were, we were getting so close as friends. And then out of nowhere, you just stopped seeing me like, you know, and stopped responding to me and asking me to go places. And then you change plans and lie to me. I don't get it. And I would try to explain myself. And those words were really freaking hard to like say, you know, when you match emotion to words, it is, it's triggering sometimes. I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm back in middle school. And, uh, the conversation ended up being where she had forgiven me, but I think that it wasn't necessarily this trusting forgiveness, right? I think there's levels of forgiveness where the person probably still resents you, probably still feels like you're lying to them. Because once you hurt someone and once you make them feel a certain way, that's not a good emotion or a good you know, uh, way of treating somebody, um, you have to regain a lot of what you broke, which is essentially trust, love, affection, commitment, like all the good health things in a relationship, which I believe I broke by doing that and behaving that way. Um, and again, it was a lot of subconscious behavior, but I was almost selecting um, the avoidant behavior style and the easy way out. Um, and then I was lying to myself, thinking that my other friends were more important to her when I could have really just told her what was up. You know, and she told me, she said, I would have respected you more if you just told me that because I was in a bad place in my life, constantly talking about myself around your friends, that they weren't really appreciative of that. And I would have gladly had that conversation with you to tell you that I'm just not in a good place right now. And I think I'm being very selfish. And all that to say, one of the most profound relationships I've ever had with someone was her. And to this day, I mean, I check in with her a lot. I don't think our friendship will ever be the same. She came to my birthday. You even met her. Um, and listen, I don't know. I don't think our friendship will ever be the same. I don't think it'll grow past what we had before that. Um, but regardless, she forgave me. We had the very intense three-hour conversation. Um, and I haven't treated anybody like that. If, if there's ever a moment in my life where I feel like I'm avoiding somebody or... Um, people around me aren't in favor of that person. I don't act at all the same. So I guess what I'm saying here is, you know, part of that forgiving process with her in particular, I've now changed in a very healthy way. And I hate to say it, but she was almost the lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's actually the perfect way to tie up the episode and the biggest lesson I have in forgiveness, which is, I, I know I've mentioned it before, but what better place to mention it than on the forgiveness episode? The only person you are hurting by holding on to forgiveness or holding on to that apology for something you did or even something they did is yourself. The ability to let go and forgive um, you know, someone for something they did is one of the most powerful healing tools that you can do for yourself. So I think that's the biggest lesson. Um, and, and props to her, props to you for taking ownership in that situation. And, and even saying from the start, like, you know, I was the one at fault 
because it shows responsibility and matureness on your end. And then props to her for forgiving you. And even though mm. it was maybe hard for her, she uh, she forgave you and chose to forgiveness is a choice. And everyone has the ability to make that choice. And, mm. and she she made that choice. Right. And you don't want to live a life where you feel like you're constantly having to forgive or having to apologize to your point about both sides. You know, nobody wants to live an unhealthy life where you're constantly doing people wrong or doing yourself wrong so that you have to keep forgiving. You know, I almost feel like forgiveness, again, we all make mistakes. Even if you look at every single thing you've done up until this point that you're listening to this conversation with Kevin and I, you look at the things that you've done in your past. And maybe you want to forgive yourself. Maybe you want to revisit certain relationships and, and ask for that forgiveness like I did. And nothing wrong with that. But I think once you've moved past those, you definitely do not want to live a life where you are you know, seeking forgiveness or um, having to do the forgiving. You know, I think that there's ways that you can live a very nice path where you're saying, hey, let me be very intentional about how I treat people, how I make decisions for myself, how I treat myself and my mental health so that later I don't have to go, oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So true, man. Um, well, I feel like we covered a lot on this episode. I feel like we got a lot out of our systems. How do you feel? I feel so great if we actually hit the record button. So I I forgot to hit the record button. No, you didn't. Look at his face. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, we're recording. We're fine. <laughs> and I'm don't keeping that on the Don't do that to me. You I'm owe kidding. me. All right, let's practice it right now. Hey, Justin, I'm going to sit you down. Hey, Justin. Um, look, I am. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt afraid. Um, I, I just felt afraid of I, I felt afraid and taken advantage of when you made that insensitive what I interpreted to be an insensitive joke about not hitting the record button after I uh, spent so much time putting in these great ideas into the episode and you as well and um, I just wanted you to know how I feel and um, I just had to get that off my chest and now it's on my chest and I apologize <laughs> But that was a great role play. I accept your apology. Thank Even you. something something Let's so move small on with our as friendship. recording. Let's move on <laughs> with our friendship. No, but listen, I think that like in all seriousness, this has shown that we all have like we're, we're all we're all living such separate lives. But when you start, you know, working and living amongst other people, everybody's going to interpret things so differently. And, you know, just be aware. Be so aware that when you're interacting with folks, you may offend someone or you may be offended or you may get angry at a certain situation or vice versa. And listen, it's part of life. Uh, I think Kevin and I are here to tell you to embrace it. You know, ain't nothing wrong with getting a little angry or upset about something as long as you can come out of it in a healthy way. Uh, and then more importantly, when it comes to forgiveness, there's nothing wrong with having to forgive yourself or the people that you're you're surrounding yourself with or for them to forgive you. You just have to know when and how to do that in a very healthy way. Totally. Well, okay. I feel really good about this episode. Listener, thank you for joining us on uh, this week's episode of Luminosity. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like it, um, subscribe, 
and share it with a friend because that is the number one way that a podcast grows and uh, we are still growing. So your support uh, means the world. We greatly appreciate it. And, um, you know, uh, shoot us a follow on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is these days you kids are using and uh, comment, uh, you know, do do the social media stuff that always helps, <laughs> I guess. Justin's way better at wrapping up these podcasts than I am. Um, but just wanted to say thank you for uh, tuning in this week and we'll we'll see you next week. I thought that was absolutely amazing. I have nothing else to add. And we'll talk to you guys next time. We talk about healthy communication, which is going to be such a nice way to go from that episode to this one. Uh, So be sure to come back and uh, subscribe to the show, follow the show. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, Kevin and I would love if you would share it with someone who you believe can find value in the conversation too. Also, if you loved the episode, this show will only grow and reach more people with ratings and reviews. If you'd be so kind to leave one right where you're listening, we sure hope you found this helpful and cannot wait for you to come back to another episode of Luminosity.